and a strike to count on Taylor. Reyes fires. Swing and a drive. Deep left field. This is way back. Walk him off. Chris Taylor. The pitch to Stanton. Drew, there it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yes. The cool weather is here. College football into conference play. Big NFL games await. And as you just heard there, we are into the best time of baseball, of course. The postseason October is upon us. The best sports month on the calendar. We have picks for you in all the sports we just talked about. Make sure you're playing along with us. Extrapoints.com. The Arcade, join us. Play along with us, against us. Fun prizes for you to be had there. Make sure you're listening to Extra Points, the podcast twice a week with me, Cousin Sal, and Martin Weiss, Eddie Spaghetti, and Jen Piacenti, and Waiver Wire. And uh, make sure you're betting along with us, or fade us however you wish, fanduel.com. Slash minus three, it's the word minus, it's the number three. And with all that said, we're going to jump into our picks here. But first, Kevin Hench, noted Red Sox fan. Eddie Spaghetti, noted Yankees fan. You played a one-game playoff the other night. It settled all hash in my house. Let me just say before you guys jump in, I, as a wee lad, my old man, used to take me to see Tony Dorsett. My earliest sports memory was sitting there, this is how old I am, in Pitt Stadium, and he, and he pointed, he said, Tony Dorsett, that guy's going to break every record in the book. He's breaking every college record. He's going to go to the NFL. He's going to do it there, too. He fell a little short, a brilliant career. We went to Steelers games of great note. So in 1978, on uh, I think it was October 2nd, he sat me down to watch the one-game playoff. And by the end of it, I was all in. I was a Red Sox guy, too, with it. In deference to the old man, I soon jumped ship to the family, the 1979 Buckos. That was a bad mistake in 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 retrospect. I Not feel at like at the time I, it made a lot of sense. It's a funny spot we're in because Spaghetti's a younger guy. I don't know. I think he has suffered more from the rivalry than any any Red Sox fan who who is his age. Anyhow, let's jump into it. What your thoughts were, your emotions, and beyond. Kevin Hench, let's start with you and uh, and what's going down, fella. Well, it's funny. Uh, how cathartic that game was because you know the Yankees were favored uh Cole versus Ivaldi but you're like it's a baseball game so obviously you've got a 35 to 40 percent chance of winning the game and if you win the game your entire season is made you vanquish the Yankees and nothing else matters it you're it's house money from here on out so you know, obviously nerve wracking, you know, it's, it's a, it's a game seven, but it's one game. 
And uh, but I got to say, Anthony Rizzo grounding out on one pitch to start the game. Right. You have these emotional like you're like, how, how when am I going to start to think this could happen? And it's like, oh, a one pitch out. Well, that's nice. That's a nice way to start the game. Bobby Dahlbach, <laughs> confident, like made a play. And then obviously. And by the way, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at, at you know, watching pitches and going, that's a slider. That's a change up. Like, I still don't know what that 89 mile an hour meatball that Garrett Cole threw to Xander Bogarts. Was that his change? Was that a slider? It just was completely flat. 89 miles an hour, middle, middle, like you would want Dave Joust to throw you in the home run derby. Like it's, it may be the worst pitch uh, since, since Ralph Bronca got, got taken deep by, by Bobby Thompson. And so once Xander stonked that meatball from Garrett Cole, obviously you're like, wow, this could definitely happen. Uh, and then <laughs> I can't believe a Red Sox fan brain works that way after, I mean, all the, listen, four world series, this millennium, but the last one was pretty rotten for you guys. I can't believe I, I, I really, as an a relatively objective viewer, I guess, looking at it, I was thinking like, at what point do Red Sox fans allow, like, we're nine outs away. We're going to get this thing. And it's like, you, you probably can never allow that to permeate your brain for all the suffering you've been through, but I'm sure you did do it too. Right? Like, well, at this point in 78, we were up two runs. So it's crazy. It's, I mean, obviously we're crazy, but you know, the, what the striking thing to me is how the trauma endures way past the healing. Like you're cured. You're cured. You can walk rise, walk. And it's like, uh, we're still, our nervous system will never take the cure. And so sure enough, uh, Cora with the crazy quick hook, like the craziest quick hook, like, okay, Aaron Judge hit a ground ball to shortstop. You've decided Evaldi's lost it. He hit a ground ball to shortstop that our, our lumbering power hitting shortstop slowly moved in you know, and made a choppy stab at the ball and, and it was all uh, not fluid. And and so Aaron Judge is safe at first and Chorus flying out of the dugout. It's like Eovaldi was pounding the strike zone. He started, he's, he's appeared in seven postseason games for the Red Sox. He has a 1.63 ERA. Are you fucking telling me in that moment, you think Ryan Brazier has a better chance of getting Giancarlo Stanton out? Then Nathan Eovaldi, that's your that's your algorithm, Alex Cora. So of course I'm on 500 text chains. We have complete unanimity. You, you know, if it's you, who wants to be a millionaire, ask the audience. A hundred percent, say this is fucking stupid. What are did you anybody doing? call Grady Little? That you should have texted him for his opinion on. No, well, it was it was the anti-Grady Little. I'm coming to get Pedro in the in, in the sixth with one out. Like whoa, 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 he's not done. So. It's so funny because then obviously Stanton hits a ball and and as Eddie Spaghetti is enjoying reliving this entire game, mm. Stanton hit three home runs in that game, right? That's I still right. don't understand. Uh, that- I'm like, what? I You can't, 115 miles an hour with a good launch angle. I'm like, obviously that's a home run. And like, and, and Shaq, you and I are buddies with Matt Vescursion. So we, we, we want to cut him some slack and obviously – you you feel great sympathy for anybody who has to sit next to A Rod for four hours. That's got to be the fucking worst 
he must just look at that and go, oh, Christ, it's that tonight's the night um, where the dumbest guy in the bar is going to explain baseball to me for four hours. It's it's unbelievable that we we all have to listen to A-Rod like who decided this is a great get for ESPN. Uh, let's listen to A-Rod explain baseball to us. Hey, Alex Cora really wants to score here. He wants runs. In this inning, what Alex Cora wants is runs. Oh, well, do, do explain, A-Rod. Explain that to us. The manager of the Red Sox would like runs this inning? Anyway, I digress. Hold it's on, also no fun when A-Rod announces, I love playing in Boston, creep. No, that, that, don't, don't try to diminish the heat of the rivalry. That, that, that is yeah. the worst angle to take if you he, are he a baseball like enthusiast. He coming to Boston because he's slightly less hated there than he is in New York. Like this is the guy who brings Red Sox fans and Yankee fans together. But anyway, so let me say this though about that. I what the the takeaway from every Yankees fan, and I and I have many in my life, and I've spoken with them in the last forty eight hours or so, is like, no big surprise. Maybe fire Boone. Maybe don't fire Boone. All the doom and gloom. It's like exactly right. I, I understand the frustration, but to your point. The game was tied in mo- in half the ballparks on G and Carlos slug in there. He misses tw- it by three feet. In 29 ballparks, it was tied. He hits the top of the wall at 115 miles an hour. Um, and so I understand. I, I mean, look, Nevin is getting crucified, of course, and we'll get Spaghetti's thoughts on that. But Joey Gallo struck out 213 times and has two sacrifice flies in 2,400 plate appearances. Insane. You have to assume Joey Gallo will not get that run home from third. So you see the ball elude the left fielder, right? Verdugo doesn't play it off the wall. Now you've got the backup. Now you need a relay throw on a hop. And so even though they executed it perfectly – uh, Nevin's in a difficult spot there, and that difficult spot is created by the fact that three true outcomes, Joey Gallo, is not a great option in the four hole. That's so, really an interesting point, too. And by the way, I mean, I'm not the first to say it, but Bogart's flip was was dynamite. I mean, the, oh the expectation that he would make a superhuman play like he did there, that was so lightning fast. I You know, I don't know how you bake that in in, in the blink of an eye if you're Phil and, Nevin. And like with pace and accuracy and like very kind of casual. And because like I, I had no idea where Aaron Judge was going to be. Like I was like, he might be getting high fives in the dugout. Like, I don't like, I don't know how good his read was. And I mean, like, and then it's like, you know, he's just coming into the frame. Like, Oh my God. Anyway. So, so when we got an out on a 115 mile an hour missile off the top of the wall, we got an out. That's the result of that play is we got an out. I was like, we're going to win this game. Yeah. You could feel that. That was like, that was it. Right. But by the, the way, just quickly of getting a guy thrown out at home, the backbreaking, like emotional mm-hmm. effect of that play. I was like, oh, I've been spaghetti. There. I've- jump in here now with this. Do you feel like with that play specifically, especially given Aaron Judge's uh, the, the figure he cuts, should he have trucked the catcher there? 
I mean, no, Judge wouldn't have done that. I mean, he actually made a great slide. If that he ball was six it, inches yes, to the catcher's right or six inches up where he's reaching with his mitt, like the way that Judge slid by dropping his left shoulder, reaching around with his right hand and touched the play was a great slide. He's not the fastest guy. I think his jump when the ball was hit was probably slow because, again, like Hench is saying, the ball was like the velocity and the launch angle. That he, Judge is like, well, this is a home run, so I don't have to, I could jog. And then the ball starts to drop a little bit, hits top of the wall. And he's like, well, now I got to pick up my speed. And then I think – Nevin was just like, yeah, go home because either the relay throw or the throw to the plate is going to be slow or something, and it's not going to be a perfect throw, and it ended up being uh, an exact, precise throw to, to tag him out at home. And, I mean, I thought that game was over way before that even happened. I thought once the Reds like, hit the first home run, you could see Cole's face. I'm like, I tweeted that the Reds, the Yankees bats, I just felt like they were not going to have a good game. And I don't blame well, this loss on Cole. Spaghetti, because I got, I, I got, you know, Yankee fans were all over the map on this, but um, I feel like – you know, the LeMahieu injury, I know he didn't have a great Huge. year, but that is a yeah, killer. That, is, a killer. Long, that yeah. guy is such a good baseball player. He has good at bats. He grinds. He goes the other way. Like, I'm like, ooh, that's a kind of a quiet, no one's talking. Like, that That shortens their lineup. So LeMahieu's out. I think with LeMahieu out, if Voight was healthy, then you would have played Giancarlo in right and had Voight DH to lengthen the lineup. Uh, because Brett Gardner, as he proved with the 0 for 3 with 3 Ks, is not helping your team offensively. So your lineup is very short. You don't have LeMahieu. You don't have Boyd. I know he catches Cole, but Higgy is a 180 hitter. And, and, and Gary Sanchez, by, by no means, you know, Yogi Berra. But he's a legitimate major league hitter. And your lineup is already so shallow when I looked at the lineup, whenever they came out, one one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoons, when I checked the lineups, and I was like, "That's not a good lineup." Like they got they got Higgy and Velasquez anchoring this lineup. Like that's a shallow lineup that falls off a cliff. Which means the horrible Red Sox bullpen. You can time it so that the worst of your bullpen is facing Lambs exclusively at the end of the lineup and then save your Whitlock for the Thunder. Um, and and I just wanted your thoughts, Spaghetti, on whether Sanchez has to start it, no matter I, how he catches Cole. Who cares? I totally agree with that. I mean, unless Cole literally pitches a no-hitter or, you know, shuts them out, then it's like, okay, I get why Higgy was catching. I know that they have a, a history going way back to, like, the high school, college days or whatever. But, I mean, Gary Sanchez, I know, started the year off pretty bad, but then he, he was the Yankees' best hitter for a long stretch, obviously, until Judge and Stan kind of took that over. And it's like you cannot have not have the Kraken in the game just because the the threat of the long ball. Uh, he could take anyone deep. The Gardner point is extremely great, too, because he's a guy that even if he's going to make an out, he's going to strike out, he'll foul off like 13 pitches, and it's like, okay, he's doing his job at the plate, and he did not do that. Brett Gard- I don't want to see Brett Gardner on the team next year. I know he's been a Yankee for – 15 years, whatever it is, but that was a terrible performance by him. And then, yeah, LeMahieu with the hernia seemingly all year. It's like A-Rod. He's bonding us. Yankee fans and Red Sox fans never want to see Brett Gardner again. Let me bond you over this. Let me bond you guys over this. If Brett Gardner were on the Pittsburgh Pirates, he would be one of the the two or three best players on the entire team. So, as I often counsel Steelers fans, it could be worse within the division. Just look to the state of Ohio. You could be a Bengals or Browns fan, but all that's even upside down this season. And so I don't even know what to say about it. But Spaghetti, go well, ahead. You're you are the parent 
As I always say, that's what stinks about being a Yankees fan. You're the parent of an, a, a straight A student who brought home a B plus and now, you know, now now uh, strict discipline must be asserted here. It's unsatisfying. It's got to be. You, you're, anything short of the World Series every year is a bummer. I no, I totally agree, and I'm actually glad we're, we're doing this now with Hancho. I think is pretty fair, even against the, even with the Yankees, because I'm at a loss. Like I don't know what the fix is. Like I said this before on extra points and against all odds, like 91 wins is both underachieving and overachieving. It's underachieving because on paper, this is a great roster. It's why Hench gave it that bet, the plus 27, uh, whatever, 27 to one, the Yankees Dodgers World Series because they have the roster to make the World Series. But then you look at what happened this season with all the injuries and like the most amount of COVID stints in, in Major League Baseball, then winning 91 games after their start, it's like, oh, okay, well, they kind of put it together. And like, I know Boone's contract is up, but he still averaged 98 wins, but he'd be the first manager to manage five years and not win a World Series. So it's like, I don't know what they do because like you have your ace, Severino's coming back, who basically was the ace and he's going to be a great number two. I mean, I know some of the pitchers up and down years with injuries and Tayon was uh, a roller coaster ride and the bullpen obviously could always use some help. But like with the bats, it's like, what are you going to, I'm not going to give up on Gleyber Torres. Like I'm not going to, because he can't great. He's not great defensively. The guy has 30 home run potential in middle infield. Like there's, there's, we have the Clint Frazier thing didn't work out and and now he may never play again because of his eyesight, but there's some great prospects like the Martian and Florial uh, in the system. Uh, Like, I, I, I don't know Volpe, another great prospect. So I don't know what, like, what do you, what do you do if you're the Yankees? I, I maybe I think you change the culture. Outside looking should, in, but I don't. You got to get a culture change and hire Urban Meyer. I think like let the, he would really infuse but, them with. I mean, and then even and then quickly even before Henshaw's like if they even they, they move on from Boone if they keep Cashman because it seems like House Steinbrenner will, will definitely keep uh, Cashman. It's still going to be coached by this analytics like Ivy League group. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Like, what are you going to do? Overhaul this this team of giants that, that mash home runs and make it this defensive Cardinals Giants looking team? Like, the teams Yankees the Yankees lose to are teams that hit the long ball. So I don't want to change that up. It's just I don't know. I literally have no idea what to fix with this roster. I don't get it. Uh, I I love that you're a mess, Spaghetti. I love that you <laughs> have a thousand problems. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's like first things first question first uh, when Cole Cole should probably just receive his Cy Young Award in a quiet ceremony beneath the stadium. No need for opening day. Here's Garrett Cole. Here's your Cy Young Award. Hey, why aren't they cheering? <laughs> I won the Cy Young. I won the Cy Young because I, I know people are pushing Robbie Ray. But Robbie Ray got shelled by the Yankees in his must win uh, down the stretch. I mean, nobody wanted any part of the Blue Jays. And it was incredible that the fates made the Yankees declare who they wanted to play. Like that, that, that they they were like, we, we don't want to go on the record here. Hey, we need an answer because we got to start making some some travel plans. No, we really don't want to say where we'd rather play. Got to know today. OK, we'd like to play in Boston. Hey, wish granted. That is the best, Hench. I wish this would go through all sports. I wish the San Francisco Giants got to choose who they played. I love the rivalry being perpetuated by the series upcoming now. But, man, how great, how much, all we want is conflict and and fun narratives and and, uh, no, they don't respect us and chip on the shoulder and all that kind of stuff. If in every sport you got to choose who you play because you're the number one seed, it would make 
it would be the greatest advent of the 21st century at least. No, it's like it's like when a when a four seed is playing a, the 13 seed in the tournament, and then they ask the w- team that's waiting, "Who would you like to play?" Well, who the fuck do you think we want to play? It's <laughs> we, the best. We want, we want to play the lamb. Hey, speaking of bonding, because Spaghetti and I are bonding. Over, you know, we're all bonding over our hatred of a Rod. Spaghetti and I bonding over our, our shared contempt for Brett Gardner for different reasons. I want you guys to bond uh, and maybe because I have I haven't experienced this the way you two have. I want you to compare and contrast Kyle Schwarber monster home runs off Garrett Cole. For I don't like that. Teams. That's not a nice thing. Come, to on, come on, I'm bonding. Garrett Cole has been stonked by Schwarber. In elimination games. Don't think I, I'm not also picking up, I'm talking about another playoff uh, dog that you're bonzing. I get it. I, I know what happened out in left field. He was too deep to throw out Sid Bream, who's slower than I am. I, I, I know what you're also sticking that one in there, too. It's not nice, Hench. I don't care. For I did. It. I did. Uh, I do remember guaranteeing you that Jake Arietta would pitch a two hitter in that game. And I, I think that's exactly what he did. Uh, um, and then, and then okay. Bum Garner. And then, and then, the next year in the one game playoff the buckos caught uh, caught uh madison bumgarner oh that was uh, that, that was wrong. all right now listen let's so, get into our best bets what do you think well okay you want to well, what we, were you gonna you say you want to do urban meyer and into our best bets or do our best bets and then urban meyer i think let's uh let's help some people make some uh some good wagers here and then we will cover let's get into the offensive meter here and see how offended kevin hench is by the deeds of urban meyer the reaction okay, good, to it good, and good. Otherwise. okay that's all good. right do you want to start uh, us off here hench we can go sure. all nfl we you can mix and match we'll give our baseball picks in a little bit some juicy college football games to take a look at you start us off wherever you want to okay go. uh First up, because the, because we, we're in uh, October and it's baseball season, I'm, you know, I looked at the lines and it, if you're the underdog. I'm looking at you and your ridiculous outfit. You're a grown man, for God's sakes. What the hell are you wearing? Feeling good, man. This All is right. like vintage. All this right. is beautiful. Uh, so beautiful so listen, um, I'm looking at these lines. So the Red Sox are plus 150 against the Rays. Now, if you're an underdog, you want the – series to be as short as possible obviously like a one game series is much better for the underdog as it as it worked out for the Red Sox against the Yankees and three out of five is is still that's still not enough like baseball playoff series should all be best of seven I hate the one game wild card that's so stupid that the Dodgers could have been eliminated it's so dumb and then three out of five ain't great either but if you're the underdog like the Red Sox the shorter the better so I think plus 150 on the Red Sox is a really good price for uh, – it's not a coin flip, but it's a three-game series. You only have to win three. Um, you know, you're going to get a sale start. You're going to get an Evaldi start. Uh, that raised lineup, the OPS is not there. I know they score runs like crazy, but uh, but it has to matter – that that lineup is not as good as the Red Sox lineup, even though they score more runs, which is all that matters. I, I feel like that is a great price for the Red Sox. Uh, so plus one fifty on the Red Sox, one of my best bets. Then, look, you guys, you could play the tape. I I, I said it a hundred times on this podcast. I bet on it constantly and lost my ass. I was like, the Dodgers are going to catch the Giants. Buster Posey is the only player on the Giants who could play for the Dodgers. It is not possible that this roster can win more games than that roster. 
It's not how baseball works. I don't care. The Giants, one miracle win after another. They won two games after the 27th out. The final out was recorded. Two times they went to video, overturned the final out of a giant loss, and the Giants won twice. So, well, those two games right there would be 105. But anyway, but the Giants are plus 135. <laughs> and so even though... I'm sure I'm sure I'll keep losing by changing horses in midstream. But no one was the giant killer that Max Muncie was. Muncie destroyed the Giants this year. And I mean, watching that game against the Cardinals, that's a chasm in that lineup. That guy mm-hmm. is hard to replace. So if you're talking about a Dodger team without its best hitter uh, against a giant team that we really don't know how they did it, but another coin flip, but you're getting plus 135. That's a nice return. So I like the underdog in those two series, Sox, Rays, Giants, Dodgers. Uh, shifting to the NFL, the Raiders are completely confounding. Obviously, nobody knows what to make of the Raiders. Are they the dog shit team that looked like they were going to lose by 40 in the first half against the Chargers? Or are they this unstoppable offensive machine that just marches up and down the field in the second half of games? And I say, I say, well, whichever the Raiders are, the Bears are going to get crushed in Vegas. Hmm. Like that, 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 that five and a half is too low. David Montgomery's a good running back. That's a big loss for the Bears. So you have you have a quarterback who got sacked nine times. The one thing the Raiders do pretty well is get after the quarterback. You have a, a quarterback who got sacked nine times against the Browns when they had Montgomery. So, so this feels like the first week the Vegas is going to put the 60 minutes together in a, in a whipping of, of the lowly Bears. And then the other game uh, just seems – the number seems too high to me. Is that Bucks Dolphins 10 and a half? I, I I was looking at that one, too. As I always say, I'll always flag double-digit favorites. I don't care what the matchup is. It always will spook me in pro football. And so you look at that, you know, in this country, we can talk about Belichick and how the economics major let us down by blowing the math at the end of that fucking game. Like, I uh, What an emotional week two, for, for two, Hanch and two company. Things that, two things that, that Patriot fans have not had to worry about for over 20 years. We never fumble. So just eliminate that heartbreaking part of the game. We just don't fumble. So Damien Harris fumbles week one, turns a, a sure win into a loss. Why did they, why did they never fumble for 20 years at home? Why was that? I don't know. Belichick yelled at them not to. I don't know. They deflated uh, the footballs, Hench. Oh, my Christ. That, that, I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm telling you what football players say. All right. Okay, well, then they should good. start. They got to start doing it again. But uh, so J.J. Taylor comes in. Obviously, the James White injury was a killer. I cited it in all in all my fear. It's like that James White security blanket. Uh, so J.J. Taylor comes in and goes, hey, I'll replace James White. Oh, fucking puts the ball on the ground. Like, And by the way, like I know guys try to break tackles, but it's like, you're not going anywhere. This plays over. Just don't fumble. It's okay. so you and you and I have uh, have had this conversation. It is absolutely right. You you appreciate the effort and the spirit behind it, but it is not good. And that is something that le- legitimately. And I've talked with Patriots guys about that. That's something Belichick attempts to coach out of them. Stop trying to stretch for the extra yard. It's not worth it. I mean, Marvin Harrison turtling on the ground was always the right play. Like who, Marvin Harrison, who are you? What tackle are you going to break 
Um, so, but I feel like it was so emotional. It's Brady, it's, you know, Belichick, but like that Tampa Bay team did not really impress me. And, and part of the reason Belichick certainly should have gone on, on fourth and three was, you know, from injuries before the game and during the game, the Bucs were down four cornerbacks. They were down four corners. Like you're getting pretty deep on that depth chart. So I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me that that team should be giving double digits to anybody right now. So uh, I think take the Dolphins and the points, uh, and and uh, and you, you might you might get a nice payday. Which I'll which the payday that I didn't get that Urban Meyer cost me when we transitioned to our discussion of that motherfucker. I do want to hear, right, I want to hear all your thoughts about that. I do, as I said on the earlier Minus 3 this week with uh, with our guest Jason Luckin for it, some fascinating um, QB carousel talk for spring 2022, so uh, go back and listen to that. I am curious very quickly, though, Hench, before uh, me and Spaghetti give you our best bets. What's your takeaway? I feel like, first of all, you know, Brady, you knew he was desperate to win that game. But I feel like Belichick, it's, uh, the, the not going for it on fourth down is the takeaway from the game that everybody's talking about. I thought that that really was was remarkable, that he was able to just, even Tom Brady, he could do that to Brady. He could just, well, it's the second most remarkable thing I've, I, I can think of in the last five years that Belichick has done since silencing Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead for an entire half of football when nobody on the planet Earth could slow down that offense in 2018, and they did nothing for an entire half. Um but do you, the other thing is, I kind of like Mac Jones. Like, the, the expectations for me were not that he was going to set the world on fire against the Buccaneers' defense. But I thought that's a pretty big spot to drop that kid in, and they're all cheering for the other guy, and you're his replacement. That really brings it home in a way I don't know where else you could. Like, oh, yeah, the guy who I'm – I mean, we know we had the Cam Newton year, but this is who I'm here to replace, and they're cheering for him. Egad, what pressure – and he, I think he comported himself pretty well. Do you like him, though? Are you, are you, because, of course, Collinsworth has to get hyperbolic. Like, I think we're looking at a guy, I think, well, this guy, we got, he's going to be the quarterback for the next 10, 15 years here. Do you agree with that? And does that make you happy? Um, I was super impressed. Obviously, my emotions fluctuate wildly week to week, throw to throw. Uh, panicky, you know, when he, it's like, you know, he made the very poised series of progressions on the Hunter Henry touchdown, right? He, there was nothing for a long time and he slid to the left and he bought a little time and he waited for Henry to open up and he hit him. And it's like, Ooh, that is a poised guy. <laughs> Later, it was after he had the, he had the 19 straight completions, which was remarkable, especially when you consider negative one yards on eight carries. There's no play action ain't doing shit for you when your team can't run the ball. So 19 straight completions is pretty impressive. But then they get down first and goal. The streak of completions ends on first down. On second down, he's it was very, uh, shall we say, Roethlisberger-esque. He's trying to move to his right. And then he throws back across his body into just a morass of Buccaneer defenders. Like it's like, oh my God, he's giving the ball to Devin White. What is he doing? And then and we got lucky there. Uh, so work in progress. But yes, very impressed in that environment. To and and it's why Belichick's decision was was so shitty. And and you know they, there's like there was some disparity in the analytics, but the the the, the right analytics is that that cost them. 
that hurt their chances 10.3% to win that game. It's, I mean, the the notion, and I, I praise him for being able to silence Brady largely over the course of the game, but the, did Belichick get amnesia and forget if that field goal is good, who would be getting the ball then? I mean, even if he makes the kick, I, I, if you said, Dave, you got to bet all your money right now, you got to bet all $623 to your name right now. Uh, what's going to happen here? I would certainly bet on uh, on Brady at minimum getting him to field goal range and then put when it on I'm the kick. When I'm watching him send out, and God bless Nick Folk, that's the farthest I've seen him kick a ball. Me too. I, I'm like, he Nick Folk that can't make impressive. a 56-yard field 56 goal. 56-yarder, he's a pea shooter. Um, but so what Bill Belichick was actually saying in that moment, which if you phrase it like this, reveals how insane that decision was. I believe Nick Folk has a better chance of making this 56-yarder than Ryan Suckup does of making the 45-yarder they're definitely going to get with four downs and a timeout. Like, you're, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to – they're Godwin and Evans and Antonio Brown, you already have a DB cramping up. You're already burning timeouts to try to keep your defense on the field. Obviously, the only decision is kill this game off right here. Fourth and three, convert, get closer, kill the game off. And I don't know. He just he had an aneurysm like it was a terrible decision. And I could see if Mac Jones was 11 for 28 uh, with three picks like you're like, yeah, no one's getting open. But on the very the, the play, the third down play, Jacoby Myers is wide open and Levante David gets his hand on the ball. Just run that play again. I, I don't know. Like, it's like any any of your many, many five-yard plays, he had he completed 77% of his passes. So if he completes the pass, you're gonna you're gonna vastly improve your chances of winning the game. It's gonna be a closer field goal, and they will not get a field goal attempt. So I, by I, the way, I, I, I'm with you completely, and I want to get going here, me and Spaghetti with the pick, so we can get Hench's thoughts on Herb and uh, and the mess uh, in Duval County. I, I, the one thing I'll say is, the thing Brady doesn't get credit for, because the whole thing of him in his underpants 20-something years ago, and he can't run, and all that kind of stuff, and he does it with his brain. He does have a legit plus arm. Mac Jones doesn't. That, that that's my one concern. They, there there are some of those balls that you see. He really has a, a, has trouble getting it out there to the sidelines. I don't know that he has a sufficient arm ultimately. But you know what? With Belichick, I mean, listen, you have bigger fish to fry. Um, so let's get to. Um, I I will say also, I my Bills. I mean my Patriots to win the division pick is looking bad right now among my all preseason all the preseason predictions I made Chargers winning the division is looking good con- uh conversely is let's wait and see what happens in Arrowhead and then let's see the Bills and Patriots play each other um before we declare the Bills definitely rolling to an East title it's likely that they're going to but but there's still plenty of games left that will that will be able to better get a sense of these Bills and it starts um with that trip to KC Spaghetti hit us with your picks so with uh, NFL football, college football, and baseball playoffs all in the uh, the docket, I'm actually going to take a hard right turn and give out best bets for the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight because I actually do love boxing and I feel like I wish more people did like boxing. I know UFC's kind of overtaken it, but um, basically this Watch is going to be their the third Alley match. Watch the documentary; it's heaven. 
This Go is um, yeah. I have to I have to uh, consume that at some point. But uh, this is their third their third bout. Uh, obviously, a lot of pressure on Deontay Wilder here because if he doesn't uh, win this, uh, his career in terms of going for a, uh, a a title again is probably over. With uh, Fury's two years younger, he's two inches taller. His reach is two inches longer. Um, so I he's going to win this fight. So a couple of bets that I like uh, for some reasons, I'll just list them here. Obviously, Fury to win the fight. I, I said the this fight. I will not go the distance. That's minus 370 right now on fando.com slash minus three. Um, I have the money line, by the way, on Fury is minus 290. Um, I like Tyson Fury to win in the KO or a TKO. It's minus 110. And um, this one, Tyson Fury to win the, in round seven through nine is plus 500. The second fight, Fury, um, he dominated Wilder and he beat him in the seventh round. Uh, the first fight did go the distance and Fury was knocked down in the last round. Now, if he was not knocked down in that round, he would have won the first fight as well. Um, so another bet I do like is Tyson Fury to be knocked down and win, which is pl- uh, plus 470 because in all honesty, he should have won that second, um, that first fight because he, uh, he dominated him uh, like tremendously in that one. I don't know how he uh, out punched him in like nine of the 12 rounds. Um, another big thing in this fight is that Wilder has changed his trainer after blaming his trainer and uh, for throwing the towel in too early in the second fight. I don't like him coming with a new trainer um, and, you know, just the age thing and all that combined with just too much pressure on Wilder. Uh, Fury is by far the best boxer, uh, best heavyweight right now. The only chance that Wilder has is if he lands uh, his big right hook, which is arguably one of the best punches in boxing right now, and that's really his only shot. But I just think Fury is right now just at the top of his game, and I don't, I don't see Wilder landing that big punch to to actually end him and beat him. So I like Fury to win that, and those are all my bets. All right. I feel like uh, uh, Wilder's like, you know, I go out on my shield, and Tyson Fury's like, Okay, fine. You can go out on your shield. That's I, that's no problem. I got no problem with you going out on your shield. Uh, Fury's clearly I, yeah. in his head. He he claimed so many things after that second loss that all of them were untrue. Like he said that Fury had um, a harder wrap underneath his gloves, and they checked it out. And they're like, no, it's not. He just blamed everyone but himself. Like I don't think his head's right. I I think Fury's going to absolutely dominate him. I, I'm shocked, honestly, that the Gypsy King isn't as big of a name as like Conor McGregor is in the, in the United States. Like I know he's a a foreigner, but this guy like he's a Peaky, Blind, uh, Peaky Blinders character basically. Uh, and he's awesome, and he's. I think he's going to whip him. Well, by the way, do go listen to Cousin Sal's conversation with him on Against All Odds. Very funny stuff with Sal, and uh, yeah, he's a character. Let me uh, give you my best bets. Um, some uh, some ones I feel very confident. The worm is starting to turn here in Damashek's brain. I, I, I have a better sense of where pro football is headed now. Let me give you... I, I, it's a bounty, really. I, it's just a, a matter of choosing the best of all the best bets there. I really like Green Bay going into Queen City. Um, they're they're giving three points to the Bungles. The total on that one's 50 and a half. I'm going to take the Packers in that one. They should uh, win that with ease, I think, especially with Joe Mixon a little banged up. Um, I really like Carolina to separate. That is suspiciously low that uh, the Panthers are giving only three points to the Eagles, who are an unimpressive team. It's as though because Sirianni won his first game that people decided, oh, we were wrong about the Eagles and they haven't paid attention since. They're banged up on the offensive line are the Eagles. Carolina has a devastating pass rush. As we know now, they're loaded with DBs. Sorry about that, Hench. Um, for your loss. I don't know exactly what went down there up in Foxborough between Belichick and, uh, and Gilmore. Either way, Carolina is going to the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl, but they're a legit team. I, with confidence, say uh, take the Panthers at home, given the three points. 
a tough spot for the Chargers, my Chargers, your Super Bowl representative uh, from the AFC this year. But they are human beings after all. Giving two, I told you to get it when it was a single point. Now it's up to two already. Rumors, though, about Baker, maybe not rumors, he has a problem with his left shoulder, in fact, and that's the explanation being given out of Cleveland for why he hasn't been as good. Either way, the thing that is consistent in pro football is defense. Guys can go up and down. There can be a bad turnover or two along the way. The thing that I really like with this Chargers team and have been pointing to for quite some time is the defense. That's the difference maker. I think this game goes under the 46 and a half, by the way, but I'll take the Chargers at home in a tough spot because of the emotion. The roller coaster is not letting up on these Chargers. They go to Arrowhead. They win that big spot, Monday night football, all that stuff. Now they catch the Browns again. By the way, I will say, and again, just to reiterate, I'm taking the Chargers. I think it's great that the Raiders fans outnumbered the Chargers fans. It's decidedly so, Cal. I mean, that wouldn't be acceptable if it was, you know, most anywhere else in football America. But I think it's charming. And and what it indicates is I know the Chargers as an organization are looking to get to a place. And so are the Rams of like, well, it's all it's all our fans. But it kind of says if you're an Angelino. Yeah, you you uh, you play in a place where everybody wants to live because people from all over the rest of the country have descended upon here. Ergo, they're going to be a percentage of people who show up to your games, especially Raiders fans who never left when um, when uh, Al Davis moved them back up to Oakland. Anyhow, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. The other one I like is. Um, I like the Niners on the money line, plus 190 against Arizona. I believe in the Cardinals. I love that offense. The defensive pieces are for real there with the cards, but they're not going undefeated. The Niners are not going to fall to two and three because then they really are getting into peril a third of the way through the season of having a shot at the division. I like Trey Lance. He is a curveball a little bit to prepare for. If you're Cliff Kingsbury on down there, I'll take the Niners just to play it safe. You want to play it safe. Take the Niners plus five. Um, If you want to roll the dice a little bit and uh, not merely survive, but truly live, bet the money line Niners plus 190. And with that, we can jump into the rest of the pro football games here. Let's uh, because we do have to leave time for uh for Hench's thoughts here. I want to get some baseball picks in here real quick. All right. We got we we got to hustle here. And 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 Shaq, let me just jump in quick here with some breaking news uh, and also it helps your best bets out. Atlanta Falcons, uh, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage not traveling to London for the game versus the Jets. I actually like the Jets in that one now, plus three. Uh, maybe it's uh, the, the damage check rubbing off of me, but I love the the uh, attitude of the gunslinger, Zach Wilson. I think he throw that ball around the field and without those big weapons, Kyle Pitts has been a non-factor. Could be interesting for the Falcons. Um, I do... Well, you mentioned me, and that makes me think of uh, the Steelers and uh, the Steelers minus one and a half. It's the Aaron Rodgers Bowl. Let me just go on record here as saying I find it disgraceful, Steelers fans, that you're that that that, that you're willing to uh, trade your dignity for a run at Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, isn't coming to Pittsburgh anyway. Do you really think Shailene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers are signing off on like, yeah, trade us from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Where, 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 where's your sense of of dignity? And is that what you want? Are you, are you Vikings fans? Are you Jets fans? Oh, Brett Favre might come here for a season and we'll have a magical run. Fat and double fat. This is not what uh, an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers engages. And shame the devil that you would make that talk. Denver is where he's going to go. Um, so uh, I'll take the Steelers at home. 
defense, I mean, the total is 39 and a half. That's uh, that's still too rich. Final score from Pittsburgh, <laughs> five to three. The Steelers survived there. Hench, quickly, I want to get your thoughts on Denver at Pittsburgh. Actually, we could skip that. I, uh, you don't need to weigh in on that one. Give me your thoughts on Browns Chargers and Buffalo and KC, because I think in week 16, week 17, when you, the Patriots fan, I I hope optimistically at this point it it feels overly optimistic as a Steelers fan but if you're in that wild card thing or you want to get a higher seed or playing for the number one spot and getting the week off in the wild card I think we will look back at week five because the four best teams in the AFC are playing each other this week the Bills the Chiefs the Browns and the Chargers weigh in on on uh, those two ball games I feel like I just I, I don't know. I just underrate the Browns. Like I, I thought, I thought the Vikings would win that game last week, and they just could not move the ball at all. And you know, the the Vikings have been have been marching up and down the field this year. So that Browns defense is obviously much better than I, yeah. than I give it credit for. Um, so I'll 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 take the Browns short week for the for the Chargers. The Browns seem like kind of hard to prepare for. Maybe like they they. They run the hell out of the ball and from different looks, and they're just better than than I than I give them credit for. So I'm going to start moving over towards the Browns, and then obviously the Chiefs Bills. It's so hard to handicap the Chiefs because, like, if you watch that Eagles game last week, and I had a lot of action on the Chiefs, so it was very frustrating when you find yourself financially needing to root for that Chiefs defense. It's just bad. It's just bad. And Jalen Hurts is just moving the sticks. They're just going up and down. And then you look at the end of the game, you're like, oh, my God, they covered easily. <laughs> like You're like, what? I don't know. By the way, they, they don't t- – t- as as mighty as that offense is, to your point, they, they have not been doing a great job of covering the gigantic numbers that they keep getting as favorites. So that was, uh, that was actually noteworthy that they got over the, uh, the way they did. But, yes, of course, you're absolutely correct about the, the crummy defense there. So, you know, going back to last year's uh, – AFC title game um, where the Bills kicked a bunch of field goals. I mean, they just kicked a bunch of of short field goals and and field goals where it's like, I don't know what the computer would say here, but I got to think McDermott is going to have the foot on the gas a little bit more. And I would take the field goal, take the Bills and the field goal in that game. Interesting. By the way, let me jump in here and uh, give you a same game parlay. FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every NFL game, and that's why they offer up the same game parlay. I think this is a really fun one to get in on here. We love FanDuel for the uh, for the quick payouts and the great site and everything else, but I really enjoy doing these parlays the same game. I don't even have to pick a winner here. I'm leaning Chiefs. I'm leaning Chiefs. I have to meditate on that one. Watch me on social media. I'll give you my final answer as game time approaches. In the meantime, I'm confident that the game's going over. Um, Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable. I don't care if the defense is good or not. The Chiefs can't stop anybody, whether the opposing offense is good or not. That equals them going over the total there. I like a Kelsey touchdown. I like a Diggs touchdown. He's not finding the end zone. He will. Kelsey will. There's your three game, uh, your three leg uh, same game parlay. We'll see you in the winner circle there. Um, Hench. Isn't it funny? Like it's you know that that Mahomes is the X factor. Mahomes, you know, you, you just can't he, you just cannot be contained. And yet, when I was perusing the fantasy sites, 
A lot of people, for fantasy purposes, have Josh Allen ranked ahead of Mahomes this week. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If Josh Allen is going to put up better numbers than Patrick Mahomes, the Bills are definitely going to win because Mahomes has to be way better than the other quarterback. Well, in fantasy, Allen makes hay with the legs, too. So that's uh, that's that's probably the explanation for that. Mostly I'm just trying to figure out if if Dalvin Cook is officially in a platoon now or is is he worth anything in my starting lineup? Because he's he's still very highly ranked. But I think between the ankle and Madison, uh, uh, this guy's going to kill my season. When you, I mean, Richard Sherman is not a great ad. Maybe he'll start playing better um, as he gets up to speed there. It's a little unfair to drop him in. He was in street clothes during the week, and all of a sudden he's starting um, in that game last week. But as you see now, the thing you have to uh, – what is not uh, determined um, fully now versus 20 years ago in the NFL is there – in-season moves being made like you Stefan Gilmore a player that level didn't move like a month into the season that just that you never saw something like that happen Jamie Collins I'm a little surprised that the Chiefs maybe they did make a play for both but I would think that the, the first thing my head goes to is like oh well the Chiefs are going to go after Collins right they I mean well obviously they have to go after Gilmore their defense is is absolute garbage and Mahomes is great but my recurring point is is Justin Herbert that much worse than him? Is Josh Allen that much worse than he is? No. And they have the lousy defense, the Chiefs. That's why the Chiefs are not going to the Super Bowl this year, and that's why they're not going to win the division this year. But that all leads us to this. I, I love the idea of the soap opera going on in Duval County. Um, and Tennessee, by the way, the Titans, if, the, if they would lose to that, uh, to that Jags team, that would really make it all the juicier. In the meantime, Hench, your reaction, offensive meter. How offended are you by Urban Meyer's behavior, him not flying back with the team, his putting his thumb where the sun don't shine, his explanations multiple now after the fact, and does it matter on any level to what happens with your pro football team? And mix in this one too, because Eddie Spaghetti asks an interesting question. Would you hire him if you were a college program in need of a big turn? Wow. Lots to unpack. Okay. First of all, I, my question is, okay. And you rattled off some additional transgressions there, but is the, is the main thrust of this controversy? His thumb? Yes. Yes. That little viral video. I mean, is that, I mean, that, I mean, what's the point of being successful these days if you can't? I just don't understand. Like, is there, is there not? Like, why try? Why, why do the film work until four a.m. if you can't have a little? Now, I, my feeling was, Meyer was like, I have to quickly create a controversy so nobody talks about the fact that I didn't kick a fucking field goal at the end of the first half to go up three scores on Joe Burrow when Hench had the money line. I had the money line in that game. And I was like, the Bengals are going to have a hangover and they are going to come out flat after beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. There's no way to get up for the Jags short week, Thursday night, no way. And if he kicks a fucking field goal, they win that game. You don't go to the locker room. You're dead. You're dead. You have nothing going into the locker room. It's 17 zip and the game is over and Hench cashes. But Urban Meyer goes, well, what could get them off the mat? Well, uh, let's. What can I do to get the Bengals off the mat? 
And so I, you know, and Sal and I were going back and forth on this, but it's like, I don't care what the computer says. The computer might say, well, actually going forward on fourth down, there's the right move. You have to take into effect that weird emotional thing of like, the Bengals are dead. They're dead. They can't win this game if you go up three scores. Ooh, if you allow them to get a stop and go into the locker room with some momentum and only needing two scores, you, Urban Meyer, have figured out the only way to lose this game and send the Bengals into the locker room with momentum. Like, you have to kick the field goal there. And in fact, when I saw the Jags receiver get to the one-yard line, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was like, they're going to go for it. They'll run this, uh, you know. They'll run a play that's worked throughout the. Wait a second, I gotta, I gotta stop you for a second here. What the hell are we talking about? We're talking about the Thursday night game between between two bum teams that have cats My as logos. Is I is I care much more about a coach's ability to coach football than I do uh, a coach uh, with some deserved unwinding. Here's what I say all the time, though, Hench. I listen. I don't. I, I don't care if he wants a. If he want. If he's a coxman, he wants a cat around uh, Ohio. His old. His old um, stomping grounds. Whatever. Who am I to say anything? But listen. It's it's the point I always make. It's Daniel Day Lewis crying about having to do press for his movies. Like, I yeah. I get you want to be. Uh, you, you're you want to be a thespian, but. You also understand that when you're getting paid $10 million or whatever to make the movie, part of the gig is promoting it. So so don't bellyache. It's the same thing about Urban Meyer. Like, well, how dare he? He's in private having a drink and having a camera pointed at him. That's the sin. You're, you're, you're not smart enough to know that that's the case, Urban Meyer. That Then you're pretty naive. And then that calls into question your decision-making overall. That's my issue there. Do you think... That I'm trying to think of who the school would be. So you think the decision making? Um, <laughs> I think they were both bad. I think we're seeing consistency. I think we're making yeah, the exactly. same point, right? He's, he's not making good decisions. Meyer, this guy can't make a decision anywhere in his life. Precisely, he can't make a decision on fourth down, and he can't make a, a decision at the bar. All right, everybody, let's let's do it here. Let's bring it on home. Um, I think huge spot for the college football playoff upcoming here is Oklahoma and Texas. If Oklahoma very well could lose this game, they're giving three and a half to the Longhorns. If the Longhorns win this one, though, it opens up the possibility of either Cincy getting in or two big, big Ten teams getting in because Ohio State may still be the class, but Penn State and Iowa both undefeated. They're going to settle their hash uh, head-to-head in Iowa this weekend. Penn State plus one and a half. Give me the Nittany Lions. It gives gives me no pleasure to say it, but I am going to take Penn State there. Hench, give us uh, who's going to the World Series, why don't you? Oh, boy. Okay, I will, um, I will say White Sox Brewers. Oh my goodness. That is uh that's pretty I was really really close to picking that one but I'm going I'm going Strohs and uh Brew Crew there. Um I'm complete with you with you on Max Muncy. I I do not think that people get sideways. I think that that the viewing public that Sports America has just sort of accepted that it sounds great enough to to buy into is this notion that um the standard remains the standard. Next man up. All that rhetoric. But 
that is actually meaningless. Just because you put another guy in the Dodgers hat and put him over there doesn't mean that because because the skipper says like, hey, next man up, man. Hey, you no, got to deliver I mean, the same way. Know, like, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, just because you say it doesn't make it happen. The Pats, you know, and Jonathan Jones, I think it was, had his uh, got a cramp at the end of the Bucks game. And so they had to put a special teamer in the slot on Hall of Famer Antonio Brown. And he got wide open immediately. It's like. Yeah, next man up doesn't mean shit. That guy can't cover Antonio Brown. It's insane. It's insane. I, 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 but we all just kind of like what? What? Dave, I get. I'm from Pittsburgh. Dave, what's going on with the Steelers' defense? It's not as good. It's like just because they put eleven guys out there in those uniforms and they're called the Steelers' defense doesn't mean it equals the guys that they want to have in those spots. And the results uh, will equal what you expected when Stefan Tewitt is out there and otherwise. Anyway, great conversation as always, Kevin Hench. Uh, good stuff, Eddie Spaghetti. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of the weekend to break it all down for you. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.